we got power. <laughs> Acts 7. The scripture reading that was read is where we're going to finish. That's our end point. Uh, but we'll start here and we'll work our way there, Lord willing. It's good to be with you. Had a good service this morning, enjoyed church this morning. We, uh, because of restrictions and things, we're having church outside. We have church out on the deck. And uh, it was a nice sunny day, beautiful morning. And uh, so a little bit different, but we enjoyed the service. Had a good service. Trust you had a good service here. And uh, trust that I'll be a help to you this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. And uh, then we'll read the scriptures and we'll get into the message for this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray together. You pray for me. I need the Lord to help me. Uh, you know, dealing with that traffic coming down from the coast, you get here with a bad attitude. So you can't preach with a bad attitude, can you? You, got, you need the Lord to help you. And it would be better if a preacher would preach with a good attitude. So you pray for me. I'll pray for you. We pray for each other and the Lord might help us, all right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just ask that you might be pleased, Lord, to bless the reading of your word and our time together in your scriptures. Lord, I'm so grateful for the Bible. I'm thankful, Father, for the instruction in it, the comfort in it, the exhortation, the rebukes, all that's needed for, for us as your children. Lord, thank you for your Bible. And Lord, pray that you'd bless our time in it this evening. Pray you'd be honoured and glorified. Lord, certainly I need your power and fresh unction and your anointing to be able to preach your word this evening. And then, Lord, I ask and I pray, would you be pleased to bless your dear people that are here? Would you be pleased to minister to each and every need? Lord, may you be honoured and glorified. Christ, be magnified in all that's said and done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 7. We're just going to read two verses here. Verse 9. And verse 10. Acts chapter 7, verse 9 and verse 10. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his affliction, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. I'd like to draw your attention, please, to the end of verse 9. Notice this statement, but God was with him. But God was with him. You know, as I read this and I uh, got down here and it says there in the patriarchs, that's speaking of Joseph's brothers, and the patriarchs moved with envy, they were envious against Joseph, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. That's a pretty sad story. But I'm glad the Holy Ghost of God put a little extra in there when he wrote the Scriptures and he added the last portion of verse 9. He didn't just leave it with, and the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But it says, but. But God was with him. And you know, here the, the realistic reality the reality is is Joseph found him in a bad situation but but God was with him and that makes all the difference isn't it and you know when you read in the Bible you read down through the scriptures 
And there's, there's just all sorts of great buts in the Bible. But God. But. But God was with him. And I'm thankful for those buts in the scripture. And, every, and, and the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. And I'd like us to focus this evening on that phrase, but God was with him. Now, most of us would be familiar with the story of Joseph and the account of Joseph, and for the sake of time, we won't delve all the way back and look at all his childhood and all the rest of it, but I I think we can draw a pretty plain conclusion that Joseph had a relationship with God from a young age. God, remember, remember those dreams that Joseph had? God showed Joseph some things at a young age. And that's because Joseph had a relationship with God at a young age. And can I say to you children that are here this evening, I nearly said this morning, this evening, you're never too young to start a relationship with God. You're never too young for God to speak to you. God spoke to Joseph at a young age. God lived for jo- Joseph lived for God at a young age. You can too. You're never too young to start living from God and hearing from God. Isn't that good? I mean, you don't, you don't have to be all mature and pious and polished and all the rest of it to hear from God. Anyone can hear from God. And that's a wonderful truth. I'm glad about that. Joseph, he had a relationship with God and God showed him some things and then, you know, those things that God showed him, at the end of the day, Joseph was hated for those things. His brothers hated him because of what God had showed him. The reality is when you live for God, people are going to hate you. It's just part of life. Family, some family's going to hate on you, some work colleagues are going to hate on you, some school colleagues are going to hate on you. People are going to hate on you when you live for God. That's just reality. Just accept it. Don't try and change it. That's life. If you're not interested in that hatred, then you can't have Jesus. That's just the reality of the Christian life. That's just part of the cross to bear. If you want, if you want God and I want Jesus and I want to walk close with Jesus, Jesus got hated on. What makes you think you and I aren't going to get hated on? You know, we, we just have to accept that. And his brothers hated him for all that God had showed him. Would you go with me, please, to Genesis 39? We're going to leave there. We've read there in, in Acts 7, God was with him. Now go with me to Genesis 39, and we'll spend the rest of our time here in Genesis 39. For the sake of time, we'll just summarise the first portion and we're going to jump into Joseph's life in chapter 39 here of the book of Genesis. In the previous chapters, Joseph, as I said, Joseph had uh, shared with his brothers his dreams. His brothers hated him for those dreams. His brothers were out feeding the animals Uh, and the father had asked Joseph to go out and find his brothers and see where they were, and that's what he did. He went out to find them and bring a report back as to how they were doing. Joseph got out there. When Joseph got there, the brothers schemed and said, let's just get rid of this pain in the neck, basically is what it amounted to. He was just annoying. Now, there's no doubt he was a favourite. Joseph was the favourite. 
And can I just say to your parents, just be really careful about having favourites. Never ends well. There's all sorts of examples in the scriptures of having favourites amongst your children. Doesn't work. There's no doubt Joseph was the favourite. I mean, he had that flash coat and everything else. And there's no doubt that his dad loved him more than the others. And, you know, Joseph was just the favourite. And these brothers, they didn't like him and they came up with a scheme to get rid of him. Some of them said, let's kill him. Reuben said, just woo up, let's not go that far. Let's do something else. And so they took Joseph, they put him in a pit. You know the story. At the end of the day, they sold him into Egypt. That moment, that moment, and that was a real moment in Joseph's life. You understand that? We need to try and put ourselves emotionally in that situation. Could you, could you imagine your own siblings hating you so much that they actually sold you to strangers hoping to never see you again? I mean, uh, do you all know my brother, Luke? You know Pastor Luke? Uh, he's a great guy. But he is my little brother. And boy, we used to fight, right? As brothers do, right? Right, boys? As brothers, you know, we fight. We, oh, we used to fight. We had, some, we had some doozies growing up. But I never did get to a place where, well, you know, maybe in the heat of the moment I'd have sold him, but not really when it came down to it, I wouldn't have. You understand? I mean, that's, that's pretty twisted stuff. That's some pretty deep-seated hatred to actually look your brother in the eye and sell him to some strangers and see him go off you, you know he's probably going to die in the slave trade. I mean, that's some pretty hard stuff. That's what's happening today, right? The, that very moment in Joseph's life, he lost his family, he lost his freedom, he lost his identity. And if from us looking on the outside, we would say he lost everything that day. He lost it all. But he didn't lose everything that day because of the truth is God was with him. If God wasn't with him, he would have lost everything that day. So that, that very moment, and sometimes we have those moments in life, they just come upon us and circumstances just change like that. Perhaps it's financial, perhaps it's health, perhaps it's a marriage or a relationship perhaps it's a church situation, whatever it is, things can change quickly, can't they? And there's no doubt that things change quickly for Joseph. And looking on the outside, we'd say Joseph lost everything that day. But I want to remind you of what the Bible says, but God was with him. Are you in, are you in Genesis 39? I want you to notice point number one, God was with him in the palace. Let's read Genesis 39, 1 through 6. I've already put one fellow to sleep. We've started well. Only took about five minutes. He's already, he's actually, did you hear him snoring? That's pretty good, poor little fella. We'll see how many more of you I can put to sleep by the time we get done. Genesis 39 and verse 1. You know, so, you know, Sunday's a big day for a little kid, isn't it? Just an awful lot going on. Genesis 39 and verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, 
bought him of his hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Notice this. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was, a, was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well favoured. I want you to notice verse 2 and 3, notice these statements. And the Lord was with Joseph. Notice verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. A couple of things in this verse. Number one, Joseph here, he's in the palace of Potiphar's house. He's living in Potiphar's house. He's living in the palace. And as he's living in the palace, I want you to notice, first of all, he's nothing but a piece of property. Notice verse 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. The reality is Joseph was nothing but a piece of property. But even though he was nothing but a piece of property, God was with him. You see, that day that, that Joseph's brothers sold him, remember he lost his family, he lost his freedom, and he lost his identity. He was no longer Joseph. He was a nobody in Egypt. He was just a number on the auction block is what he was. Potiphar purchased him, but God was with him, even though he was nothing but a piece of property that day. Not only was he a piece of... But let, let me make this statement about you and me. Let, let's, let's make some applications, some spiritual application. At the end of the day, you and I are property of God because he bought us. You've been bought with a price, I've been bought with a price, and if we hadn't been purchased with a price, we'd still be lost and on our way to hell. So Joseph is nothing but a piece of property, but notice verse 3, even though he was... He'd lost his liberty, he lost his freedom, he'd, he was a slave, he was a servant, he was bought for a price and he was property. But notice verse 2 and 3, notice his prosperity. The Lord was with him and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You know, Joseph was one of those fellows that everything he touched turned to gold. I'll confess to you, I'm not one of those, so don't worry about it. Everything I touch does not turn to gold. You know, the, you know those people, they can, buy, they can buy a bomb car, they can buy a lemon, they can spend 200 bucks on it and then sell it and make 5,000? I'm not one of those. I buy it for 50, I lose 40 every time. <laughs> but Joseph was not one of those people. Everything that Joseph touched, God blessed and it's, it's like everything that Joseph was involved in was just prospering. God blessed Joseph 
because God was with Joseph, even though Joseph had, in our eyes, lost everything. We see that he's property, we see that he's prosperous, but I want you to notice his position in verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put in his hand. Notice all the way, go down all the way down to verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had. That means Potiphar, didn't, he didn't even keep an eye on what he had. He didn't look at the bank accounts. He didn't worry about it. All Potiphar worried about was the bread that he was eating. He didn't have to worry about anything else because Joseph was taking care of it. Notice Joseph's position. So Joseph's been sold. Joseph's lost everything, we say. He's in the palace, but God's with him. And because God's with him... God's blessed him with prosperity. God, he's a prosperous man. But also notice his position. His position's pretty good. He's the overseer. He's, he's, he has such a position that Potiphar has watched him and identified that God is blessing everything he touches. And so Potiphar's like, it's, you know, it's better off if I don't touch it. I'll just put everything in his hand because everything he's touching, God's blessing. So here you go, Joseph. Take it all. And just make sure I got dinner on the table. That's all, that's all Potiphar was interested in, was the bread he was eating. That's what it says in verse 6. That's all he paid attention to. The rest he just left, left to Joseph. Because of Joseph's position. He had a pretty good position. The reason he had a pretty good position is because God was with him. And can I remind you, dear child, of your position in God? You got a pretty good position. What do you mean? Well, we're seated in the heavenlies. I mean, we're doing okay. You say, well, you just don't know my position down here. Well, that's because you forget about your position down here. That's utterly irrelevant. What is relevant is your eternal spiritual position. And things are looking pretty good if God's with you. If God's with you, things are pretty good. Because of your, you've been purchased with a price, your prosperity, your position. But notice this. I like this bit, verse 5 and 6. Notice his popularity. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So I want you to see success there in verse 5. Joseph was a successful man. Notice verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. Notice this statement. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favoured. I want you to notice that word goodly. That word goodly doesn't have the idea of he is a good person, although he was a good person. That word goodly means he was a handsome rooster. Check out the Greek, that's what it says. It means he was fine in appearance. He was a handsome lad. You know, there's one thing to be successful and have a face like a smashed crab. <laughs> but it's a whole other story when you're successful and you look like Dave. <laughs> Don't you agree? Don't we all want to look like Dave? Hey, Joseph here, he was a popular lad. He was successful, but he was goodly. He was a goodly person. It literally means he was fine to look upon. He was a good-looking rooster. 
He is a handsome man. You know, you and I on the outward appearance, there's no supermodels in this room tonight, I'm afraid. Even Dave. <laughs> all of us come short in that situation. But you know, that's a good thing because in reality, if we all, if we were supermodel material, we'd probably prostitute it to the world and we wouldn't be in God's house on a Sunday night. So just thank God you're not all that to look at. Right? I'm just trying to make friend, win friends and influence people here tonight. <laughs> but isn't that true? Isn't that true? That's the reality of it. Uh, you know, thank God for that. And Joseph, he was, he was a successful man. He was a handsome man. But you know, on the, out, on the outward appearance, we're not much to look at. But I'm glad when God looks at me, he doesn't see me, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at me, he looks at something pretty good because he's looking at his son. Isn't that good? I, I, I know my imperfections spiritually. Uh, I know my character imperfections. I know my physical imperfections, all those things. understand that. But I'm glad that God looks through that and he looks through Jesus. And when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. We would look on the outward appearance, we would look and we would say, no doubt God was with Joseph in the palace, wouldn't we? That's point number one. Let's go to point number two. Notice in the persecution, things change pretty quickly here from verse 7 down to verse 19. Not going to read it all for the sake of time. But again, let me point out to you the fact that Joseph was a goodly person and he was well favoured, right? People liked him. He was a goodly person. That means he was a handsome rooster. And verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. God's with Joseph in the palace. But I want you to see as things change here, Things change pretty quickly again in Joseph's life. His circumstances change in, in, in a moment. And we see that he faces some pretty heavy persecution. And here's this lady, the wife, probably shouldn't call her a lady, let's call her a woman. This woman, Potiphar's wife, I'm going to have a stab in the dark. Potiphar, he held a pretty high place in society. I'm thinking Potiphar's wife is probably a bit of a looker herself. You've got a handsome, successful young man a long way from mum and dad in a strange country, a lot of success, a lot of privilege, a good position, everything put in his hand, it's all there before him and this good-looking woman comes along and lit, polite but plain... Let's commit fornication. Let, let's do adultery. That's what, they, that's what it's all about. Lie with me. Let's get physical is what she said. Now, men, you know. You know God's with that man because he didn't yield to temptation. Because you know if God's not with you, you're in danger of yielding that temptation in a situation like Joseph found himself in. 
I'm not the only one. Come on, we can all nod our head. We know that's true. You know, women, you're, you're, you're just as capable as well. We all are. We're all capable and, and given to that if we're not careful. But notice, so we see the temptation in verse 7. Notice verse 8. Notice the true character of Joseph is revealed. And thank God for this true character. Verse 8 through verse 10. Notice it. But he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Potiphar gave him everything but his wife. He said, The only thing he hasn't given me is you, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not under her to lie by her or to be with her. She pressed him daily. This wasn't just a once-off temptation. This was a daily testing of this young man's character. No doubt God was with Joseph. God was with him. And surely we need God with us on a daily basis. We see the temptation in verse 7. We see the true character of Joseph's, Joseph in verse 8 through 10. But notice the treachery in verse 11 through 19. And we're not going to read it all, but let's just have a look at 11 and 12. And it came to pass after this that Joseph went into the house to do his business. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. And there was none of the men of the house there within. What do you reckon that is? Who do you reckon sent all the men away? Well, it wasn't Joseph. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So here she literally, she got sick of just pressing him with words, she got to the point where she laid hands on that young man and he ran. He fled. Now, you know, does your Bible tell you to resist fornication or flee fornication? You know why the Bible tells you to flee fornication? Because you cannot resist it. You better just run. That's exactly what Joe, he didn't hang around that situation. He just got himself out of there. Well, she felt a little spurned, probably burned her pride a little bit and all the rest of it. She was mad, so she made up a story and she made up a treacherous lie against Joseph. She waited till her husband got home. When her husband got home, she said, look, here's the Hebrew's garment. He came in and tried to force me. And when I screamed and I yelled and I did this and I did that, he ran and left his garment behind. Well, Potiphar was mad. He was hot and I would be too. Wouldn't you? Of course. He could have done some digging though, I guess. And, but you know, the reality is that Joseph had done nothing wrong. He had only done everything right. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Yea, and all that, shall, that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
Here's the reality, folks. You young people, you listening to me? Teenagers, you listening to me? Young adults, you listening to me? If you're going to live right and do right, people are going to hate on you. So this is what you need to do. You need to take a straw and you need to suck it up. You need to take some concrete and you need to harden up. Just don't worry about it. Oh, but they laugh at me. So what? What's it matter? Wouldn't it be better to have the world laugh at you and God love you? Surely. The reality is if you're going to live right and you're going to do right, there's going to be some family members that are going to give you a hard time over it. There's going to be some work colleagues, schoolmates, whatever it is. And here's Joseph just doing right and he's persecuted for it. Let's go to point three. We see God was with Joseph in the palace. God was with Joseph in the persecution. And thirdly, Joseph, uh, God was with Joseph in the prison. Have a look at verse... Uh, let's just let's start in verse 19. It came to pass, when his master heard the words of his, of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me. What a liar that his wrath was kindled and Joseph's master took him. Now again, can you put yourself emotionally in this situation? Can you try and put yourself there? Joseph's completely innocent. He's done nothing wrong. He's only ever done the right thing by God and by Potiphar. But now there's been a treacherous lie told against him and now the master who he's been faithfully serving takes a hold of him, took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in the prison. Notice verse 21, important, but the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. He's gone from over in chapter 37, he's gone from the pit. He's gone to the palace, he's gone through persecution and now here he is in prison and God's been with him all the way. What's my point? Circumstances change, God never does. It doesn't matter if you're riding the waves of success or riding the waves of a spiritual high or you're in the depths of depression and you're in the depths of despair and going through a dark valley of whatever sort, whether it be spiritual, whether it be family, whether it be a loved one, health, financial, church, whatever, it doesn't matter. Nothing changes with God just because our circumstances change. God was with him in the pit, in the palace, in the persecution and also in the prison. I want you to notice verse 23 as well. It says, The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Interesting point. In the first portion of the chapter, we noticed in verse 2 and 3 that God was with Joseph and Potiphar noticed it. 
Now he's in the prison, God is with him and the jail keeper notices it. When God's with you, people notice. People are watching, folks. And, and don't you want it to be said of you as a child of God, no matter what you're going through, people are looking in from the outside. Maybe it's your wife watching you. Maybe it's your husband watching you. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's church people. Maybe it's lost family or friends. People are watching you. And wouldn't it be good, no matter what the circumstances are, that they look upon you and they say, they, they may not say, oh, God is with them, but they may say something like this, I just don't know how they still happy, how they still got joy as they're going through that. In essence, what they're saying is they've got something I don't have because I wouldn't behave that way if that happened to my bank account. If that happened to my health, I wouldn't be doing that. In essence, what they're saying is God's with them. And that's the kind of testimony you and I need. God's with him in the prison. Notice three things. Notice, number one, he was bound in verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. He was restricted, perhaps handcuffed, I don't know, perhaps put in the stocks, not sure, but he was bound in the prison. You know, there are times in our lives as individuals that we go through a time where perhaps we feel bound, perhaps we feel locked up. Have you ever, have you ever felt bound spiritually? What I mean is this, you read your Bible and you might as well read the newspaper. You get down and pray and it's like it's hitting the ceiling and coming back down and slapping you in the back of the head, mocking you. Have you ever been that way? God hasn't changed. Even though your circumstances have changed, even though your emotional state has changed, God hasn't changed. God is still with you. God was with Joseph even though Joseph was bound. Not only was he bound, but notice verse 21, he was blessed. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Here's Joseph. He's gone down into prison. And, uh, you know, I've never been to prison but I could just imagine what my emotional state would be as I'm heading there. That's scary. Anxiety, stress levels, perhaps feeling sick in the stomach, perhaps sweaty palms, perhaps a, a, a risen heart rate. You know, Joseph was a real person, had real emotions. He's not a statue. He, I mean, he had real emotions. He's probably thinking, I, I've done everything right. I, didn't, I don't deserve this. This is wrong. But here he is. He's finding himself in prison. But as he finds himself there, he finds himself blessed. Because he gets there and for some unknown reason, the prison keeper likes him. Why does the prison keeper like him? Because God's with him. God just had mercy on him. God just overruled the circumstances and in fact, we see that Joseph is bound. We see that Joseph is blessed. But the third thing we see in this verse, Joseph is the boss in prison. Notice the next couple of verses, verse 22. And the keeper of the prison 
committed Joseph's hand, all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. In fact, the prison keeper liked Joseph so much, he said, you know what, mate, you're not a bad fella. He said, you're a good-looking rooster. He said, and you, God's blessing you, God's with you, no doubt about that. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you the boss down here. You're number one. All the prisoners are under you. Just run the place like you need to. And the prison keeper, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know. Do you think Joseph may, may, maybe had devotions every morning? I don't know, I'm not sure. Maybe he had a prayer meeting at lunchtime. I don't know what Joseph did in prison, but he was the boss. Don't you think there was probably some bigger fellas, some rougher fellas, some scary fellas? It's irrelevant. God overruled it all. Joseph was the boss. Why did all of this play out to Joseph's favour? Well, I want to say to you, because God was with him. And it didn't matter on the circumstances. And can I say to you, mum, dad, child, church member, whatever your situation, whatever you're going through, it, this, we have it here. I had a bad week last week. Is it okay if I had a bad week? I was just, I was just being a sook. Just depressed, just sort of, you know. Do you ever get a, get a bit of a downer? I had a bit of a downer of a week and everything I did was frustrating and there's just, you know, you, like everything you do, it's just frustrating and nothing seemed to happen, nothing went to plan. It's just a frustrating, depressing week. And I got thinking about that and I'm reading and I'm reading through there and I'm reading through the book of Acts and I get to that passage and I get to thinking about that and I get to thinking about Joseph and then I get to thinking about me and I'm thinking, you know, because I started feeling sorry for myself and I was kind of sitting around sucking my thumb and, you know, as we do, we have a pity party. And it struck me that just the week before we were at Word for the West and that was a real blessing. And I said, oh, God was with us. Yeah, but God was with me in the bad week as well. My circumstances changed, but God never changes. God was with me the week before in Word for the West and God was with me in the bad week I had last week. And you might be going through a bad season, you might be going through a tough time and you might look back and say, well, God was really with me there and I just don't sense his presence now. Well, just don't worry about it, he's still there. He's still there. Because we would, we would have a tendency to look at Joseph and see him in the palace and say, oh, God was with him. But then we'd look in the prison and say, well, wonder what he did to deserve that. We didn't deserve anything. He didn't do anything to deserve it. God just saw fit for that to happen. And God overruled and blessed because God was with him all the way through. I want you to turn to Isaiah 41. And while you're turning to Isaiah 41, I want to make this statement. Can we go back to the temptation of Joseph? Let me take you back there as, as you're turning to Isaiah 41. Joseph, being the good-looking rooster that he was, proposition by a good-looking lady, he said no. And he ended up in prison. Can I say to you that if he had said yes, he would have ended up in prison. 
you're better off saying no and going to prison with a clear conscience and going to prison and having God with you than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season and being in prison and not having God with you. That, just, that struck me pretty hard when I, you know, it, if Joseph had said yes, he still would have went to prison. I mean, he could have enjoyed Potiphar's wife for a little while, but he still would have ended up in prison. But he went there with a clear conscience and he went to prison with God with him. What a blessing. That's an encouragement just to do right. No matter what the outcome is, just do right. I told you to go to Psalm 41, didn't I? It'd be a good thing if I'd get there too. Notice Psalm, uh, Isaiah 41, sorry. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Notice this. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Fear. He said, don't fear. Don't be afraid, for I am with thee. You know, it's one thing for you to say to me, don't fear, Phil, I'm with you. And I'm okay. Have you fellas ever tried that with your wife? She's genuinely distressed about something. Don't worry about it, honey. I've got it. Have you realised it does nothing? Not a thing. Absolutely nothing. But points for trying. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. He said, no fear, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. That word dismayed, that's a good word. That word dismayed means to look upon with anxiety. It's to be disheartened of courage. And you may be looking on a situation, you may be going through something, and you get yourself in a circumstance where on the outer appearance, it's just breaking your heart and it looks desperately, desperately dismaying. God said, fear not. Fear not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Don't be full of anxiety about that thing. Don't be anxious. For I am thy God. What a statement. I am thy sovereign. I am thy creator. I'm the ruler of the universe. You know, it's one thing for you husbands to say to your wife, it's all right, honey, I got this, I'm with you. It's a whole other thing when God says, don't worry, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, honey, it's all right, I got this. Surely all of us can take our hands off when we realise that God is with us. Lord, help us see that. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. That word strengthen means to make strong with courage. You say, I'm terrified of the situation. No worry, God will make you strong. He'll give you the courage that you need to walk through it. Yea, I will help thee. That word help means to succour. It means to come to the aid of you. It means to surround you with protection. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will uphold thee. That word uphold means to support, 
It means to sustain, but it also means to follow or walk alongside with. You can't support someone unless you're beside them. And God's saying, don't be full of fear. Don't be dismayed. He said, I'll strengthen you. He said, I'll help you. And he said, I'm going to uphold you. Again, fellas, you know, maybe our children, as parents, we go to our children. Perhaps as, as a husband, we go to our wife and our wife is distressed about something. And you know, I, I, I try and exercise, go to the gym each day, try and stay fit as I can and all that sort of thing. And, there's, you know, the, the reality is that my left arm is a lot weaker than my right arm. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't seem to matter how much I exercise my left arm, I, can't, I just cannot get it as strong as my right arm. You know, it's one thing for me to, and, you know, again, this does absolute, you, you, you all know Leanne, right, my wife, my precious wife. You know, it, she's, she's just a blessing. She's probably watching tonight. Love you, honey. Um, you know, she, she'll be distressed about something, and I'll say to her, don't worry, hon, my right arm's got this. <laughs> Thinking I'm pretty good. It just doesn't do anything because she's needing something more than I can offer her. But when I can take to the scriptures and say, look, God's got you with his right arm. He, he, that's what he said. He said, I will uphold thee. That means, that means to stabilise and he's going to support you through it because he's with you. And it's God's right arm. It's not my weak right arm. It's God's mighty right arm upholding you. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to realise that God is with us. If you notice there in verse 10, and we're going we're to jump to verse 43 and we're coming down to the end, uh, chapter 43, but we're, just let me point out this. He said, Fear thou not, for I... And with thee, thee, I will uphold thee. Do you notice all the eyes? That makes you and me pretty much irrelevant in the, in the equation. You, you, you might look at the situation, you might look at what you're going through and you say, but I can't. That's the whole point. You can't. But he will. He can because he's with you. Go to Isaiah 43. First, first few verses. Isaiah 43 verse 1 through verse 3, but let's just, can you just jump down to verse 5, let's just read the first portion of verse 5 and then we'll come back up to verse 1, fear not for I am with thee, do you notice that, let's go to verse 1, but, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, did God create you brethren, would you end up if you're created by God, that'd be all of us, praise God, no aliens, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee. Do you know that God formed you in your mother's womb? O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, you've been redeemed by God this evening. He said, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. What a statement. What a statement. No wonder he said, fear thou not. He said, thou art mine. 
And if you've been created by God, redeemed by God, called by God, chosen by God, and he's called you by your name, he's saying you're mine. You belong to God. What a wonderful position to be in. Verse 2, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. There's different degrees there's, there's here in, that's mentioned here. There's, there's, there's water that's running, and it says that when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. You remember crossing a creek or crossing a river, and there's a bit of a current, you've got to kind of lean against it, but you can make it across. God's with you in the, little, in the shallow waters. But he also said that he's with you. Notice it says, I'll be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. Sometimes God will take us through some shallow water, but then he'll take us through some deep water. But the reality is, don't be fearful of the deep water. God's with you. And he said that that it will not overflow thee. That means you will not drown. I cannot swim. Can't swim to save myself. The best, I can, the best I can do, bro, is doggy paddle. I'm pretty good at doggy paddle. Just get your nose above. You know, the longer I go in the deep water, the, the more my legs come down. I just can't swim. Never, never learned to swim. I can keep myself afloat for a little while. But you know, the reality is sometimes we feel like we're just doing that spiritually in the deep water and our nose is just... And we're only just, he said, don't be fearful, I'm with you. And that deep water's not going to drown you, it's testing you, it'll be okay. But then he said here, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Do you know God's taken some of his children and perhaps, I, I know circumstances in my church, I don't know everybody here in people's circumstances, but I know some of the people in my church, God's taken them through some fire I never ever want to go through and I haven't been through. But as I've watched them go through the fire, they've survived. And perhaps God's taken you through some fire and it may have hurt. And, and you, hurt, you felt the heat of the flame. But if you're still here, you can testify that it didn't consume you because God was with you. And you might, you might say, yeah, but I never ever want to go through that again. Well, you may or you may not. I don't know. I can't say about that. But one thing I can say, no matter whether it's the flood or the fire, God's with us with us notice verse 3 for I am the Lord thy God the Holy One of Israel thy Saviour I gave Egypt for thy ransom Ethiopia and Seba for thee well God didn't give Egypt for you but I tell you what he did give for you and that was his only begotten son and don't you think if God loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you don't you think he loves you enough to be with you through the floods and through the fires and through the testings and the trials of life? I'm pretty sure he does. 
Pretty sure he will. Would you go with me to Hebrews chapter 13, please, and we're finishing. We close here in Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Talking about Joseph, talking about the fact that God was with him. His family sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. God was with him in the pit. God was with him in the palace. God was with him in the persecution. God was with him in the prison. And we can say that God was with him all the way through life. And I want to say to you this evening, if you are God's and God is yours, God is with you. And no matter what what it is, the circumstances that God takes you through, fear not, be not dismayed. Why? Because God's with you. He'll support you with his right hand. Notice Hebrews 13 and verse 5, well-known verse. Let your conversation, and that's not meaning just the words that come out of your mouth, but it means your whole manner of life. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for ye said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Can I take you back to Joseph for a little minute as we close? Joseph had lived a privileged position in his family. He was the favourite. He was just running around doing whatever. He didn't even have to look after all the animals. He just had to go and check on the brothers and then dob on them if they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. I mean, what a pretty good spot to be. That's pretty good, isn't it? That day, everything changed. He lost his freedom. He lost his family. He lost his identity. He lost everything, but God was with him. And he found himself in the palace in Egypt. And God blessed him. And I want to say this. Joseph could have gone down there and he could have got bitter. And he could have said, well, God, after all I've done and after how much I love you and I hadn't done anything wrong and now I'm down here, he didn't get bitter. There's no doubt. It was difficult for Joseph, but I want to say to you, Joseph found contentment in the palace. If he was discontent and covetous, well, he would have taken the wife. But he got down there, he found himself in a bad situation, he got down there and he got a good attitude. Attitude's everything, folks. He was just content with where God had him. And because he was content, God was able to bless him in the palace. God was with him through the persecution. He found himself in prison. Well, he really could have got mad there, couldn't he? I mean, he could have got in there and just fought with everybody and he could have cussed out and swore at the jail keeper and he could have been kicking things and throwing food and cracking a right tantrum. And we might look on and say, well, he's justified. He doesn't deserve to be there. He didn't get like that. He evidently got down there in the prison. And he might have had a rough day or two, but he found contentment down there. And he just got settled because God was with him. And as you face different things in life, brethren, can I encourage you, just find contentment 
in the circumstances. may not be comfortable. It may not be... It, you know, most things don't work out how we think they're going to. Joseph was just doing what he was told. He was just down, down there checking on the brothers. He didn't think he was going to get sold into, prison, in, into slavery that day. You know, and you, you and I, we as human beings, we, we come up with this idea of what life's going to be. Uh, you know, life just kicks us in the guts. Life just kicks you in the teeth sometimes. That's reality. That's life. Ladies, that fella, that, that, uh, that knight in shining armour, he turns out to be a moron in tinfoil. <laughs> Just not what you expected. Isn't that life, though? I mean, we, we come up with these ideas of what it's going to... And it, it's very rarely is it what we think it's going to be. You better just find contentment in what it ends up being in the providence of God and just saying, well, it's not what I thought it was going to be, but God's with me. Just get content and God can bless you there. I trust something there's been a blessing to you, been a help to you. Let's close in a word of prayer and I'll, I'll hand over to you, brother. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the scriptures. Lord, what a blessing it is. It's been a help to me, been a, a rebuke to me, but also a refreshing, Lord. And I pray that it would be a blessing to your dear people here this evening. And my Lord, I just ask and I pray that your good hand of grace would be upon us. Pray you'd minister to hearts, have your will and way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll just make this statement.